You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey everyone, Tennis.com. Oh. Hey everyone, Tennis.com podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Richard Pagliaro, Steve Tegner uh, on a Monday right after the first round of World Group Play Davis Cup. Uh, you know, the next round, just to just to let you know, since it, it is kind of confusing at times. The next round will take place in uh, a pretty brief two months away compared to what you'll see thereafter. The semifinals um, will go about four months later into September. The final is now in November. It's not December anymore, so we're tightening up the schedule just a, a little bit. Uh, but uh, we're going to go over the first round of play, the eight matches that uh, took place. Uh, we're probably going to mostly end up on the U.S.-Switzerland uh, tie because that was such a you know a, a pretty surprising result in a lot of ways. They end up winning 5 nothing. Isner beats Federer, so we'll get all thoughts about that. Um, but let's just run down, first of all, what happened here in the ties. Um, Spain defending champion whips Kazakhstan 5 nothing. That was over by the doubles. Um, not too many of these matches at all went to the third day even, I think five of them, four or five were done after the first day. Only one match went to Sunday, or went to the fifth rubber, excuse me, that was Japan and Croatia, and uh, I wrote about today uh, the Ivo Karlovic uh, era still among us. He wins both singles matches and part of the doubles uh, to take that one. The other matches, um, we had Canada going down, I think somewhat, surprisingly to some people that was in Vancouver they go down uh, four to one overall but that was over by the f- by the fourth match um, Nils Raonic ends up pulling out of his singles the big one with Sanga even he played two two matches before that he won a singles and lost to doubles um, I'll keep going here Austria beats Russia three to two in Austria Austria making the quarterfinals first time in quite a while from what I remember from the wire stories um Czech Republic perennial late rounders in this uh, home tie win over Italy four to one pretty easily. Serbia without Djokovic beats Sweden four to one uh, in Serbia as well. And then the runners up last year, Argentina, who I I suspect I feel like are kind of are going to make another deep run this year, kind of the way their draw looks. They win um, on the road, sweeping Germany three love before taking it all four to one. So. Uh, that was a mouthful, obviously. So before we go to U.S. Um, Switzerland, talk about that one. Any of those other ties um, strike you for any particular reason? Winners, losers, particular players. I guess the one that surprises me is Kei Nishikori. He he goes in. Um, it's Japan's first World Group tie, the first chance to win a to win a match. And the other, um, the second Japanese player, goes away. He wins his his first round in five sets and then Nishikori goes out and goes down in three in straight sets to, to Karlovic pretty disappointing result on the other side you have to say Karlovic had a great weekend he he won um, all three of his matches the other uh, interesting thing is it's too bad that Raonic couldn't play that match against Songa that looked like a possibility that would have been I think easily Canada's biggest Davis Cup win ever they split the first two matches and with Raonic they still had a chance but it, he you know he still has that injury bug, I guess, you know, that still might be a problem for him. He missed a lot of last year, and 
you know, this isn't as bad, but it's it's another bad, you know, bad timing for him. Yeah, he he is becoming known for a lot of those. Uh, that he's turning into really Sanga. Actually, it was a couple of years ago the player he just he's met there. And actually, Raonic also he um, was injured, like you said at Wimbledon. He caused him to miss the Rogers Cup in Canada. Obviously, a big deal up there. So he's had some ill-timed injuries here for uh, for Canadian things. Um, the way the just to look at what the quarterfinals are. Um, Spain is going to play Austria at home. I was saying before, I feel like Spain is home against just anyone, but uh, just the way it's worked out. Um, so they're going to get them on clay. I think no matter who Spain brings out for that one, um, they should take that. What they ended up doing against Kazakhstan was um, it was Almagro, Granollers, Ferrero uh, instead of the usual um, – for Dasco Lopez or Feliciano Lopez, Rafa obviously and Ferrer, so it's really kind of the next team for them. They still win five nothing. I mean, it's um, I think I think you can see Spain through to the semis, and then they're going to get the winner. So when they win, of course, against France in the U.S., uh, the U.S. had a chance to play in North America on the road if Canada won, which would would have been I think a very well covered tie around these parts. And they instead they get France on the road. Uh, we were talking a little about you know, how that one might shake out in terms of surface and everything, and um, and that's a really um, you know that's a really kind of star-studded tie there with the players that assuming they're all healthy and want to play. This is right after Miami and Indian Wells, so you always have to wonder about that. But um, you know that's what the U.S. is going to get next. And uh, on the other side of the draw. Czech Republic plays Serbia. That's in the Czech Republic. Um, that's in kind of a really close tie to call. A lot of good hardcore players on both of those teams. And then Croatia faces Argentina. That's in Argentina. Um, I think that would be an extremely tough one for Croatia to you know to win there. So I I do like the two finalists last year moving on to the semis and then, you know, the France, U S and Czech Serbia ties are really close ones to call there. So, um, yeah. So let's, um, let's look back at how particularly the U S got here. Cause that's really the, the biggest story. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys, uh, start that one off. And it really started off with just two Friday matches that, uh, one for its dramatics and uh, one for just really the shock value of it. So uh, I'll let you guys take it away. I like that Fish stayed aggressive even at the end. Remember, he served for it the first time. He got broke. He, a couple times on second serve, serving for that match, he came in, got passed easily. Playing you against know, Warrenka. Right, coming yeah. into Warrenka's backhand, maybe not you know the soundest play, but I like that he, he, didn't lose, he didn't lose the faith or lose the plot. He, he stayed aggressive, and I thought he really – you know, took more risk and really deserved it. And the interesting thing about that match, his serve percentage was under 50%, but he's got so much kick on the second that he was he was able to give himself time to get in. And really, that match point, I think Steve had it in the, in the racket reaction, just a beautiful drop volley to angle a shot like that after you've been playing four. I mean, that that's a that's just incredible hands to do that. It was a great win for him because of what had happened last year. You know, he, he lost twice uh, against Spain at home on hardcore, um, and the, the Lopez loss, I guess, really crushed him. He fish had even said that he considered just hanging up his racket for a while after that. So to lose another one of those would have been, I'm sure, would have been devastating. Especially so the top American. Yeah, was he already the top American last? He year was. Yeah, that yeah. was right when he was becoming 
uh, getting in the top 10. So this was, you know, this was a good win for him. And, and you're right, at the start of the fourth set, I think he, he seemed to change, shift gears a little. Uh, he'd gotten, maybe gotten the nerves out, and he seemed unsure of how to play on that surface for a while. Then he sort of manufactured this energy at the beginning of the fourth when he, it looked like he might lose. Fish, you know, he had a lot less to lose, so he played really well all the way until all the way until the end, which is, of course, how these things work. I remember out. in Australia against Fire, where he had that opening where it looked like he could have worked his way back, and he just looked so lethargic and cranky in Australia that I did, really didn't know what to expect from him out of that four set, so I was really impressed. I forgot how, about that, that everybody how, was kind of on that, that wasn't that long ago, obviously. Yeah, and, and you um, just wonder, you know, how, you know, how he would bounce back. He's in a, obviously, you know, pro-Swiss crowd, but he, God, it's such a just so strong mentally to come back like that. And, uh, you know, obviously that was one. They had to win that match, that first one. And then that, Isner said after, maybe freed him up a little bit where, you know, the worst he could they could come out of it was a split. And Isner really took it to him. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, Fischer-Renka, that one was the first point. And then after was the really seismic result, which was Isner uh, beating Federer in four sets and, um just doing so, getting better as each set went on. Um, and this was after Federer really played a pretty conventional first set against Isner. Um, and um, it, it was actually just like the doubles in a way that happened the next day was that uh, Switzerland takes the first set each time. Um, it kind of nothing, nothing really out of the ordinary. It wasn't like they won a set 7-6 or eked it out. You know, they got the break. Um, you know, Federer in both cases, he's with Varenka in the doubles. Um, and then, you know, both times the U.S. comes back, isn't there obviously the, um, the surprise of it all? Um, he is, some of the forehands he hit in that match were basically like his serves. They were just, um, Federer really didn't have any chance at getting to these. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think Rafa would have got to them on clay either. And, and we've, we always have to remember that, uh, F- that Isner actually, you know, took Rafa to five sets at the French last year. He's, um, Shown his versatility on clay, but uh, the surface was talked about a lot too with this tie, where it was playing, uh, you know, very erratic and almost like a hardcore in a way too. So, but but for Isner, it's um, it's a really big result, and you just wrote about that today, Steve. Yeah, this is the first time he's sort of been on knocking on the door for this. He's been due for this win. He was 0 and 10 against the top four players before this, but he he'd given, like you said, he gave Nadal a good match. He took Djokovic to five sets on clay. Gave Murray a really good match at the Open last year, U.S. Open. So I felt like he was. I was surprised to to find out that he hadn't beaten any of those guys at all. So this was. I felt like this was this was bound to happen. But um, you know, still surprising it would happen against Federer on the road on clay. I feel like Isner returned better and hit his forehand better. Obviously, his serve was was great. He was very, kept himself under total control um, in the third set tiebreaker at the the real key moment and then he he won it running away which you rarely see against Federer usually somebody will who's trying to beat him for the first time will get nervous at a certain point but but Isner didn't appear to have that happen now you 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 look and at him going into the you know the next few months the rest of the season he he suddenly becomes what you know seemingly the, the most dangerous american player um you know maybe you know maybe even surpassing somebody like Marty Fish or or uh, you know maybe being the the guy to look for at the at the Grand Slams as far as the Americans go. Yeah, he, it'll be um, he'll have obviously a, a bunch of tournaments coming up here in the U.S. He'll play a few before Ian Wells Miami gets those as well. Those would be the big um, you know measuring sticks. Those ones there for for Isner. I think a lot of talk about him 
to become that top guy. Um, a gr- you know, great serve is going to translate to any surface. It's obviously a you know big thing on grass, of course, and we know he did at Wimbledon. But uh, last last uh, winter, he nearly makes the Bercy final. That's on a very or was on a very fast hardcore. But you know, indoors, outdoors, clay. Um, you know, he obviously has the potential to really beat anybody. I feel like on any surface. But it's really obviously a matter of um, consistency for him. And and he hasn't had that a ton in the past. But I, I do feel like the results. You know it we're not just seeing little spikes of, of what he's able to do. I think, um, you know, maybe he's finally really leveled off in a good way after that Wimbledon, you know, epic over Mahout there. So. And he's on the cusp of the top 10. And the thing with Isner that always would get to me is, you know, he, he led the ATP and in, in service games held last year for the whole year. And you always want to see him just crack a return once in a while with the forehand and he almost is from the samper school of like i know i'm gonna hold so i'm gonna play ultra conservative on the return and try to put pressure on make and and i like when he just unloads once in a while because that inside out forehand i mean that's the play courier used to win the french open twice and he was hammering fetters backhand hammering it and it's so hard to take a one-handed backhand up the line when when a guy's hitting that big and bold and i just thought that was that was a real key for him to just unload and allow himself to go after it. Yeah. Right. But you're right. I hadn't thought of that, but Isner must have felt a little freer with Fish having won that match, just a little sure. bit less to lose. Um, he played like it. Yeah, and then you know, with those two, um, I, I still think a lot of people were would pick um, you know, Federer-Vrinka in the doubles. It, it did seem very unlikely that the U.S. would actually get through this in two days. Um, it was, I think, a, a pretty a pretty smart move by Courier to put. Um, you know, originally, it was Harrison on the schedule. I don't think too many of us thought that Harrison might. It maybe depended on how the first day went, but I think even even if you sub in Fish there and you lose that match, obviously Fish is going to have to play the next day. But you're but regardless, you would still have arrested isner against Vavrinka, which at that point looked like a total uh, mismatch really as to how Vavrinka played um and how isner played obviously you had um and what ended up having the doubles i thought Vavrinka kind of continued really some of his shakier play during that um justin gimmelstab uh skewering him on the broadcast as, as we've as we've heard from uh some reports and um and then mike bryan though i think a lot of credit probably doesn't get uh, put over to his side, but he of those four guys is is the only you know full time doubles member. And I watched that match from start to end, and you know he really did show um, really great serving, great return, really just all around the doubles prowess that he has. And and really, um, Fish played great, but you know without Brian's kind of calming presence, I think you know maybe that maybe that's a different match. And and like I wrote about that match, the thing that surprised me the most was that. Um, you have a Swiss crowd here with their two main guys playing, Federer, of course, and I just never thought that they made the Americans really feel the pressure of the moment, even though they're down 0-2. It's, you know, the finish line is there, but they never had to do that, and uh, the Americans get a break of serve and really kind of hold pretty conventionally the rest of the way. There are some, you know, tight points, obviously, but never a, kind of one of those gut-check moments that would really put the result in doubt, so... Um, but just really, a, you know, a, a total surprise of how that tie turned out. Like I said, they get France next. Um, 
you know, any thoughts on, on how that goes? You know, I, I think we were saying by that point, I think you're going to see Bob and Mike Bryan back with a team, but I would be pretty surprised if it wasn't the same lineup otherwise. Yeah, I think um, they'll try to make the France will try to get that on clay and outdoor clay as well. Uh, probably, you know, play it as far south as they can if it's going to be in April. Um, I don't imagine they want to go back to indoor clay or, or do whatever they can do not to do what the Swiss did um, surface wise, but. But um, you have to like the French team, though. You know, there'd be another tough match for the Americans, no matter what what they did this time. The French have, you know, they have as they have more, you know, have as deep a team. They don't have Roger Federer, but they have they have other better players than Stan Wawrinka. So, so that's another tough one, especially there. And you look at the matchups when you know Fish Sanga had a great match at the Open, the five setter last year, and then Isner Sanga in Paris last year was. I think it was seven six in the third. I mean, or seven five or seven six in the third. So those are great. I'm assuming Sanga even on clay would be there because he's you know he's so tough. But for me, the interesting thing would be who who will uh, who will they go with at the second singles if they go with Monfi or Gasquet or Simone. I guess it depends on who's playing well at that point. But um, yeah, you got to think the United States has a shot even if it's on clay based on you know going into Switzerland. Yeah. And uh, the way they handle Federer and Warinka, you got to give them a chance against uh, against France. Yeah, well, we'll be back in a couple months to uh, to talk about it. Obviously, it's uh, not this week. Not Fed already week. swinging his racket in preparation here. He's <laughs> it's not next month. It's <laughs> bringing a ringer <laughs> in April. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so we will be back for that. But before then, with many other podcasts in the future. So thanks for listening, Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.